Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to the final episode of Underground Sports Philadelphia for the year 2021. It's your boy KB coming at you from Underground Studios along with my unhinged co-host as we get set for Color Star Chronicles Part 2, Matt Castorina. Uh, we're going to dive into that. We're going to get into this Eagles playoff run a bit uh, as it looks more and more likely that they're going to make the playoffs. We're going to get into John Madden uh, passing away unexpectedly and his legacy across generations. And I finally got to watch Survivor. So we will get into uh, my thoughts on Survivor as well as Matt's. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen and will carry us in to a brand new year when we see you guys after this episode. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com, use that promo code USP, you get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com, that includes the sunglasses, blue light glasses, hoodies, shirts, hats, watches, anything in between at TomahawkShades.com. Promo code USP is the way to go. Help support the show and uh, get quality eyewear for an affordable price. TomahawkShades.com, and if you're watching on Twitch, that link is in the description. Our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. You guys can go to StatesideVodka.com, get the vodka soda party packs, the vodka iced teas, that Surfside iced tea is available now at statesidevodka.com. All that good stuff, statesidevodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And then, of course, the homies over at Kenwood Beer. Go to kenwoodbeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You must be 21 or older to order and crack open an ice-cold Kenny. And, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? We got we got a lot to dive into because since the last time we talked about this Color Star Technology Company last week for an hour and forty minutes, unexpectedly, <laughs> uh, we have found even more shit about this company, and it just continues to either us be absolutely unhinged and and doing all of this nonsense for nothing, or we have just uncovered you know the next ridiculous Sixers conspiracy theory deep dive in a long list of unhinged Sixer stories. Yeah, so there's always been this joke about the Sixers and like the uh, the 30 for 30 documentary that's going to come out about the process and the years following and all the different controversies and uh, different episodes and I don't know that this is deserving of its own episode quite just yet. Uh, but it has to at least be an interesting... There's at least 10 minutes on this, I think, right? Which, if oh, we're like, in the 30 yeah. for 30 about the Sixers, that's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to note to the future producer, whatever my price is, I'm lying. 
Uh, just what kidding. if we told you? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, obviously, for those completely unaware, like the Sixers have signed this deal with Color Star Technology, a company that claims to have this massive online presence. At least in the U.S., it does not exist uh, in that sense at all. Maybe in China, where obviously. Um, Social media platform is a little bit different, and and yeah, maybe in China they big following. Although there's a really great article uh, on Defector that I would encourage people to read that uh, goes really in depth, and, and it actually goes into some really good investigative journalism, to be honest, about this company and that it, they it takes you through all the years in which they were a construction company and, and mixing cement, and um, you know one of the media representatives. For this company, supposedly, uh, clearly was not familiar with Color Star technology at all. Was not familiar at all with their deal with the Sixers. And any time that you have to say in a sentence that the CEO of this company does in fact exist, and then follow that up with "I believe he's based in Europe," uh, that is concerning to me in terms of how verifiable that information actually is. <laughs> I believe. I believe he's he's based in Europe. I believe uh, Tobias Harris is worth $180 million. I believe. Um, <laughs> Quote Elton Brand. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's the more that we, we've looked into it, there's definitely more like just bizarre branches that this story has taken. Um, it's it's so weird because there's just obviously there hasn't been much from the Sixers. Not that there would be, but they, like, I don't know. Like You almost expect someone to come out and just be like, hey, we heard what you guys were saying. Let's let's forget because it's not just us talking about it either. Like it has taken on, I think, a little bit of a life of its own, and we weren't even the first to notice it, of course. But yeah, it's truly it's truly just bizarre stuff. Really, really bizarre stuff. And uh, we were talking the other day on Monday after you guys finished recording Top Bins, which go check out the new episode uh, about this guy here. So the, the the man not wearing a jacket here is Jerome Heaps, who is the vice president of Veo. Let me let me get this exactly correct. Uh, it's like Veo uh, Partners, right? I believe uh, Veo Partners Advisory Practice. So Jerome Heaps, this person was, uh, by the way, the the media representative for Color Star Technology was adamant that this is Lucas. Capetian, that mm -hmm. this is not Jerome Heaps, that they have never heard of Jerome Heaps, and that this person that we're looking at, which is identifiably Jerome Heaps, is in fact Lucas, Sir Lucas Capetian, uh, the supposed CEO of Color Star Technology. Who last week we talked about was the guy who had like the RuneScape NFT LinkedIn profile picture, which no longer exists. The LinkedIn profile has since been deleted, yes. Uh, I think that's because people were doing some like backtracing about some of the certificates that they get completed. And those certificates had been accredited to a completely different person. I don't remember the exact name. It was, it was a Chinese name. I, I mm -hmm. could not re recall it off the top of my head or I honestly don't even try to pronounce it because uh, I'm not good at that. But this is Jerome Heaps uh, who has, I would call, <laughs> a, a real rise up the, the corporate ladder um, because in 2014 this guy graduates from college right so normal thing to do and worked as a bank teller at Chase seemingly through college uh, got his master's degree um, again a normal thing to do 
uh, and then goes on to be an investment intern at Deseret Mutual Benefit. Uh, and I stress from October 2015 to March 2016, six months. This is like his first real foray into the business world, into the the the, the finance world. Like this would be considered essentially like his first like more adult focused job, career focused job. And it doesn't sound, you know, listen, investment intern, that sounds, I, I have no clue. Sounds like a good, a good starting point, right? For a career. Does that for six months after being a bank teller, right? And there's no shame in being a bank teller either. They're an important part of society. We all need bank tellers. But I think we can agree that there's a steep learning curve from going from a bank teller to an investment intern for six months to being the vice president of Veo Partners, a private equity and business advisory firm with offices in New York, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake City. I think we can all sit here and reasonably say that that is a massive jump to make. Um, and I just want to say to Veo, they're not representing themselves very well because uh, they say that they are led by a team of professionals with extensive backgrounds in accounting, finance, capital markets, investor relations, marketing, and business development. Your vice president was an investment intern for six months and previously was a bank teller. And again, there's no shame in those occupations. And this is not this is not me putting down those those class that 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 line of work, right? Because they're all important, whatever. Right. But how you go from a bank teller for two years to an investment intern to being a VP of this equity firm is like kind of beyond me. I don't quite understand his role in this either. He's he's uh, the VP at Veo Partners which we couldn't really find any link between them, like any tangible link between them and, and Colorstar Technology. Um, so why he's like the representative in this meeting, in this like press release, this photo opportunity is honestly bizarre because I I, I don't quite get it. Um, yeah, it's it's a bizarre, bizarre... <laughs> Jerome Leaps, I would love to talk to and like understand a little bit more... Uh, his path to his position. <laughs> Who are <'Cause> I'm, you? <laughs> I'm struggling a bit, if I'm being honest with it. And then last week when I was queuing up, you know, the here's the clip for Twitter video, which did relatively well because this shit is absolutely batshit crazy. Um, I was looking for the Chinese billionaire lady and just to put a, a, a face out there for the people for who she was. Initially, it didn't come up with her name, but I searched her name with that home stoner guy who is at the root of all of this one way or another. And I scroll down a little bit and the Chinese billionaire lady is posing in a photo op with former president Donald Trump, which just adds even more caveat to this entire story. It is, it is bizarre. Uh, the turns that this story has taken and listen, I, 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 I've been doing a lot more reading. I've been trying to understand the situation a lot better and I I'm, I'm polishing it, right? Like we're going to, I think we're going to have like an entire, <laughs> entire segment at some point, but it's, it, it really is bizarre. And Holmes Stoner, uh, our, our boy has only gotten more bizarre. I don't know if I've even shared this with you. Uh, he spoke and I think it's an admirable cause. It's apparently vehemently against homelessness and is, is, really looking into ways to end homelessness uh, in America, especially, uh, but even around the world. 
is this company uh, it's like ecodomica i believe is, is how you're supposed to pronounce it and they're the these sustainable modular homes built out of steel i couldn't get why a home stoner had like three different linkedin uh articles that he wrote about steel tariffs and steel importation to the u.s it makes a lot of sense now because he clearly has some sort of business uh, incentive to care about the price of steel because he builds these eco-friendly steel homes that he's he's hoping will help save people from homelessness which is admirable and you know what props to him for that, mm-hmm. that initiative i guess uh but that just so he's one of his business partners also has multiple linkedins i should stress which has been a named, common theme with all of this right uh this guy named monty read this let, let me just get this uh this recommendation this is home stoner about monty right I have worked with Monty on several different ventures over the years and find him thorough and connected. He is a personable business person <laughs> and finds a lot of interesting opportunities in his fantastic Rolodex. Exclamation point. I strongly recommend him as a good person to business with. Maybe just a typo by old homes there. You know, we'll, we'll forgive it. But Or um, also kind of sounds Google translated. Potentially. Uh, I do believe Homestoner is a real person. I agree. Because we've seen Homestoner and yeah. he looks very much the same throughout. And I found like separate articles about him. Homestoner exists. Right. Uh, some of these other characters, I'm not sure. But the part that I'm really interested in is uh, finds a lot of interesting opportunities in his fantastic Rolodex. Exclamation uh, point. We just had the Ghislaine uh, uh, <laughs> Maxwell <laughs> ruling tonight and i can't help i don't know if it's just the time but that just feels a little a little flight loggy to me i don't know i just that feels and i mean you know spike brought that up on the rights to ricky sanchez where he said i'm not saying any of these people are, are accused right. of anything but the photo ops that were throughout cj's presentation and more photos that you and i have come across that's the type of shit that you're posing for in like a Jeffrey Epstein-esque photo opportunity. So I'm glad you brought up that picture because that's with Red Phoenix Entertainment, who apparently right. brokered this entire deal with Color Star Technology. So I looked into Red Phoenix Entertainment. Here's a trend that I've noticed with a lot of these businesses that all these people have. And I think this is just a symptom of like the the absolute like drain that capitalism is on a lot of these people's brains. Uh, like having to read through all these LinkedIn profiles and how they try and sell themselves and sell their company and all this, like they're constantly upselling and they're constantly mm-hmm. looking to be bought out by someone or, or constantly to be seen as like legitimate. They get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. So Red Phoenix starts in 2017, not that long ago. And and their entire goal is that they want to be able to be a bridge between uh, markets in Asia, specifically like Southeast Asia, I believe, is, is their primary focus, mm-hmm. China included in that. And be a bridge for there to a, a North American sports, specifically basketball is their big focus. Um, and they, they want to essentially be, be a pathway for companies based in Southeast Asia to have branding within the U S and vice versa. And they also want athletes to be able to expand their brand 
uh, to those similar types of markets, right? And that that's not something unusual. That's not some like that makes sense because totally. obviously uh, there is a like a, a we see it a lot in Hollywood, which you talked a lot about, and we see it with the NBA. We see it with with a lot of major sports now that there is an interest and an intrigue in you know different markets and how to appeal to them. Adrian Peterson was uh, also aligned with this company. He went on a I guess like a tour essentially of China and saw a lot of like obviously like the the China Wall and a lot of these famous landmarks and was some sort of advocate for like Japanese and Chinese U.S. relations. Bizarre. <laughs> um, so they they start in 2017, and with their very first thing is some sort of it's not very clear some sort of deal with James Harden where he was in their offices. He does what I can only describe is is what I would have to imagine a hostage video looks like. They put him against this black wall and make him, it's really poorly edited video of him, like saying like red Phoenix. Yeah. Like peace, love, like, and it like cuts off <laughs> off mid sentence. It's really uncomfortable. What I found very interesting about red Phoenix entertainment and where I think that there's a, a real solid connection here is one of their very first projects that they did. Do you, do you want to guess who red Phoenix entertainment made a, a documentary about? A full-fledged, like very well-produced documentary about. They're involved with the Houston Rockets. Oh no! Is it is it Tillman? They made a documentary about Tillman Fertitta. The, uh, by the way, a, a, an owner of the Rockets that when he bought the team was already kind of like scrutinized for not quite having them. Like a guy that has his own circumstances and i think we can all do a reading about do you want to know who is featured very heavily in the minute preview for said documentary and speaks by the way glowingly about tillman let me guess is it it daryl morey president of basketball operations at the philadelphia 76ers daryl morey is featured very heavily in this video interesting i can't help but feel that there's some connection I, this is not slander, you know. I'm just saying. I can't. This is all just feel. research. This is all just, you know. It's just it's, it's it's an opinion. I'm not stating this is fact. My belief is that there may perhaps be some sort of connection between Red Phoenix Entertainment and Daryl Morey, uh, because that's just too much of a coincidence that they just happened to start in 2017. You know, like, and with the Rockets primarily, like a, a major focus on the Rockets, major focus on James Harden. They're doing this documentary about Tillman Fertitta. Um, and Daryl Morey just happens to be like involved in that. And now they're brokering deals between, by the way, they're a Houston based company and they're brokering a deal between a Chinese company to a, the Philadelphia sports team. That's bizarre. So Which I is also imagine- interesting after all of Daryl's like, openness about everything happening with with china and hong kong and everything. that's what is also a little bit strange too is, is obviously daryl was was critical of china at times and it got himself and the nba in some hot water and leads to a lot of the lebron responses which have taken on a life of their own of course i don't want to get too into that of course but it is strange it is strange that the um, this is a guy that has been vocally critical uh, of china in the past but i i don't know you know like listen you your personal beliefs and your business beliefs can obviously be different, uh, especially when you're at that level. You probably do have to separate quite a bit. Uh, it's, it's the main part of being a sociopath is being able to compartmentalize yourself a lot. That's how these people get power. I found something interesting about our, our beloved uh, Daryl Morey. He was part of a 
I don't know if this is like an acronym or if it's WAGMI, W-A-G-M-I United Group, which is trying to buy a English soccer club, Bradford City, which has some relevance in, in history. They, they had a really famous uh, FA Cup run a, a few years ago. He was part of this group that was trying to buy them not that long ago. And this was, by the way, in a press release by Red Phoenix Entertainment. Interesting. Um, they do like these these updates about like they call them like sports around the world updates. Daryl Morey was part of this consortium that was trying to buy uh, this soccer team. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers president Daryl Morey, Vayner X chair Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, and social media personality. Uh, that's that's Gary V. <laughs> and social media personality Bryce Hall. The group intends, listen to this, the group intends to use NFTs as a core revenue generator while leveraging advanced analytics to help run a team. The group doesn't plan to offer fan securities and team that might purchase, but hopes to transfer certain intellectual property rights to people who purchase their digital collectibles. Please shoot me in the face if I have to hear any more about NFTs. Dude, this is literally what they're doing with the Sixers. Right. So they tried this with Bradford City. And now it seems like it didn't go through. They, they weren't able to, to make the, the purchase or whatever. And I think it's interesting that Red Phoenix Entertainment essentially gets what sounds like a very like nice press release, a nice varnish to put on top of this from Daryl Morey, who, you know, they, they already clearly have met at least once, <laughs> at least once uh, when they're filming this documentary about Tillman Fertitta. And now they also broker this deal between him and color star technology and the Sixers. And I know that Daryl Morey is not technically, you know, Chris Heck is the one in the picture, right? And right. I would have to imagine something like this doesn't necessarily fall under Daryl's curtain of responsibility. But I mean, come but on. But this is also like, right up Daryl's alley with all the NFT shit that he like puts on right. Twitter, like all of that. And, you know, it's also kind of interesting that, you know, Andre Drummond just the other day is like, oh, just got my first NFT. And it's like, Every Sixers player now is like changing their profile picture to this shit. It's exhausting. This is this sounds like Daryl had like some some fingers involved with this. It's a little strange. That's all I'll say. It's it's just there's too much of a coincidence here. Gary V and Bryce group. Hall. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who Bryce Hall is. I, he's he's I, like a big like TikTok. He was like one of those TikTok kids that like uh, rose to that meteoric fame during the pandemic, and then well, now he's on like reality is. shows. And he was in like one of those like celebrity boxing things that was down at the Dolphin Stadium. Right. So uh, the other the other two prominent people involved in this this group that were trying to make this purchase were um, uh, led by former ESPN gambling analyst Preston Johnson, uh, which is a name that sounds familiar to me. Sounds familiar. An investor. Eben Smith, I, I I don't E B E N Smith, I don't know that name off the top of my head, but um, yeah, this this Red Phoenix Entertainment Group is also, again, a little strange. There there's some weird things going on there too. One of their people that works in uh, in China currently uh, graduated from Harvard, funnily enough, with a sociology degree in, in 2014, and is now like one of their like head VPs of. I don't know, research in China. Like, it's all bizarre. They're, they don't have, like, a huge presence, and yet they have, like... This is a this is a, an entertainment group that was doing, like, uh, basketball shoe giveaways, like, around this time. 
And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just seems strange. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just a strange vibe. And I can't help but feel that with, with so many of these companies, it's constantly just leveraging yourself, making yourself appear, uh, appear better than you actually are, and, and just trying to get, like, a payday. or, or Which is, to... like, the business model of Joshua Harris and Harris Blitzer. Right. So, and the fact that so many, so many of these, these companies and stuff are, are like equity groups or they're, they're involved heavily with equity groups and things like that. Um, that is one of Homestoner's like big things is about working with medium to small size companies and getting them bought. Like it's all, they're all cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. It seems, um, there's, there's a lot to learn still. I mean, I, you know, like this was, you know, me, me digging through and just trying to find what I could. Um, there's a, there's, I, I learned this too. So many companies are listed in Delaware. I did not realize that Delaware is this like tax haven. Uh, and it's, it's akin to the Cayman Islands. You know, I feel like so often we heard, you know, growing up, you heard it in movies or you hear it in like pop culture or it, in real life cases about the Cayman Islands and that there are these tax havens that you can create these shell companies. You can do the exact same thing in Delaware. I think, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a staggering amount of companies are officially listed as being headquartered or, or, or are listed in Delaware. Uh, I think it's somewhere between like 50 and 60% of us companies are, um, which is insane. Uh, or is it like fortune 500 companies, something like that. I, I know that that isn't factually the best, but which I mean, you want to do Delaware connections, <laughs> right? So the thing with Delaware is that uh, apparently uh, for for corporate law disputes, you don't actually see a jury in Delaware. You just go straight. That's one of the the main reasons that uh, companies choose to settle there. Beyond, there's some tax benefits that you get as well, and some some other things that they're certainly interested. In. But apparently, uh, there there's some sketchy things with corporate law in Delaware, where it's very favorable, it seems, to corporate entities, and that you don't actually see a jury. You see a corporate uh, judge who you know has practiced probably corporate law in their life. And it's more specialized in the field, right? And it's in a more expedited process. And you're probably, again, more likely to get perhaps a more favorable outcome because a judge is going to be looking strictly at law. That's it. You know, they, they don't care the way that a, a jury might perhaps, right? Uh, a jury could be swayed differently than I, I'd say a judge would. So I did find that in my research, which was very interesting, that Delaware is this uh, crazy tax haven. It's funny because living around Delaware growing up, it was a tax haven for the poors right. uh, because we would go there to buy our MacBooks and our laptops, you know, uh, because it saves you like a hundred bucks on tax. Guilty. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, uh, DuPont and Pepsi are doing it because they don't feel like paying their fair share. So. And the Sixers are potentially doing it with their G League team. <laughs> I'm not not saying I'm not making that's the case, but that is also that's very not, strange. That is not the official stance of Underground Sports Philadelphia not at all. LLC. That <laughs> but that um, is very interesting that all of this happens and then... Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down 
all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. It's it's all a bit strange, and I... I I'm looking forward to reading a little bit more. I was trying to read more about uh, Chao Shima, who is this, you know, billionaire that's that's uh, connected to Home Stoner. It, the 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 real difficulty with this stuff too is obviously China has it's a huge language barrier because it's it's a completely different alphabet, obviously, uh, and translating it is obviously not as going to give you the best. And so many of these like high profile people are. Just there's not a m- lot of information about them. Like Chao Shima, for being as apparently influential as she is, it's very hard to find out mm-hmm. anything real about her. I, I was able to get some things, some biographical, like talking real baseline biographical mm-hmm. information, but anything more than that is, is honestly challenging. I did find this Basil Wilson, who was the previous CEO of Color Star Technology, apparently went to Sing Singshua University which is apparently like one of, if not the top university in China. I mean, it, it's, it is I, in my mind comparable to, you know, like a Harvard here, right. Or like Yale here, where it's like you hear that name and it's instant recognition of what that is. This university is pumped out. I mean, like true leaders, the current president of China went to this university and is like a hotbed for uh, the political party that is obviously dominant in China, which is the Communist Party, is a hotbed for like pumping out uh, leaders for this party. Like it is a, it is a, an established and renowned university that this guy allegedly went to. I do think that's interesting because I was thinking that I was like, well, they apparently tried saying Lucas Capetian went to Harvard and he very obviously didn't, or at least didn't attain mm-hmm. the degree that he said he did. So I wonder if that's made up as well. But um. I did think that was interesting. But now I'm also wondering, because it seemed like all of those write-ups are, like, Google translated or, you know, thrown through something translated to English. I'm wondering if they just replaced the university with Harvard. Perhaps. You know, and maybe it's like how I was just looking at this university for everything I could find. And immediately I was thinking, oh, this is probably, like, Harvard for, mm-hmm. for China. And I wonder if, yeah, there's just some association where, oh, Harvard is the school in America. You know, why, why not? Um, Easy yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting that, you know, apparently Basil Wilson uh, went to a, a fantastic school, uh, which is apparently very challenging to get into. It is not easy to get in, into this into this college. So that's crazy. I'm so I'm still caught up to on the whole Daryl and company trying to get into that soccer team and now are using the same exact tactic with the Sixers right. through Crypto.com. Yeah, so that I think is the real – all of this other stuff is kind of superfluous and and maybe is connected, maybe isn't. That to me is the real connection here, that Daryl clearly has some relationship with this Red Phoenix Entertainment Group um, and clearly has like this vision, I guess, for, for – And the fact that it's with James NFTs. Harden too. Right, you know, like there's these weird, these weird connections. Um, and we know they have like a, a really good relationship with each other on the surface at least i I did get to see shaquille o'neal's at least promo for his color world appearance um so i know that that exists in that color world color world at least exists in some way 
Because I uh, remember you saying after we finished the show last week, you found the subreddit about this company and like <laughs> right. Steve so Aoki did something and then people saying that that didn't happen. So there's an extensive subreddit for this, which is primarily based on it is a stock. It is is listed as like a it's Reddit a we stock. know obviously was influential in like the um, the GME stock and, and uh, AMC. AMC. And, I think this is like a, a continuation of those types of trends where you're trying to find like penny stocks and stuff and hope and, and communicate with other people that are also buying the stock. Um, so there is funnily enough a subreddit about this very niche and now to us relevant stock. And Steve Aoki, if you're not aware, is like a very, very famous uh, DJ, uh, really popular in like the house music scene. Like he's, he's a pretty recognizable person, um, was a, apparently one of these people that was supposed to put on a virtual concert. There is a very strange, very generic, and it's very similar to Shaquille O'Neal's, where he just says, like, I'm really excited about being a part of Color World. And it's like 20 seconds. Like, it's, Is like, it similar just... to the James Harden video, too? So James Harden, I couldn't find anything about him talking about Color World. He was talking about Red Phoenix Entertainment. Like, he was just saying... But in that same like... ilk, kind of? Right. Like, literally, like, just especially Steve Aoki's looked like he was, like, in his, like, home... And had like a green, a really crappy green screen behind him. It was just like really pumped to like work with Color World. Let's get excited, you know. Like, and Shaquille O'Neal was like in like a gym, and there were some kind of representatives. I'm assuming from Color Star or Color World, uh, there like in a picture afterwards, and it was talking about how he's going to be chatting about his life. I think it's funny because Shaquille O'Neal is obviously so pervasive to us in our culture. Um, it's funny seeing him packaged. Uh, with the intent of showing him to an audience that is probably not familiar with Shaquille O'Neal mm -hmm. uh, in the way that they choose to do that. And they showed like just exclusively Lakers clips of him just absolutely slamming on people. Uh, um, and I just think it's funny, you know, because we're obviously so familiar with Shaq. Like he's you know, one of the sports personalities of, of especially our generation. Um, but now yeah, also DJing. A, right. But there's also probably a very large Chinese audience that, has no clue you know like genuinely probably has no clue who Shaquille O'Neal is there's probably even a larger just global audience probably very limited understanding of Shaq so which is also uh, interesting that like Shaq is doing that because I remember in CJ's like PowerPoint thing he did on the Ricky like uh the Red Phoenix Entertainment did stuff with Kobe Bryant too so there's some weird things with with um with their Kobe Bryant uh collaboration i'll call it i i don't know that it's even that it seems like they they promote a lot of these things as well um that they're not necessarily involved with um i found a really interesting interview with one of their i think he's like one of their presidents or vps one of their executive level guys talking about his ideas about like relations with china and stuff it was for like a college uh seemed like a con like a college project almost um and that's another thing I've noticed, especially with Red Phoenix, is a lot of the people involved with it, which for me raises a red flag, are like in college or very recently college graduates. There are some people that are clearly experienced in the field, but um, one potentially toxic, let's say, thing that I've seen from companies in my like just life experience is they will recruit like seniors in college or very recent college graduates. Uh, Typically because these people, I don't want to say that they're desperate, but you're probably going to say yes more mm -hmm. often than you'll say no to things at that age, right? And if it's like someone just offering you any kind of experience in a field relevant to you, you'll probably at least like sit down for an interview. Um, I don't know that. That's not like definitive. It just, 
that's a red flag for me whenever I see a company that is like it has very, very there's nothing wrong with hiring young, but like when it's like young and it's like they're still talking about how they're like on student council at whatever college they are. It's right. like this feels I don't know. Like all of it combined as a package feels uncomfortable. That alone would not be like, wow, that's concerning. But like all of it combined is just a little, little strange, a little bizarre. But Red Phoenix Entertainment to highlight as a clear, clear connection with Daryl Morey. Because yeah. they, they got their start in 2017 at the height of the Rockets, right? At their absolute best. Uh, there's a very ironic and funny video now of that they have on their Instagram of James Harden saying that he's investing in the Houston Dynamo and saying that he's sticking around in Houston. This is from 2019, I believe, that he's sticking around in Houston, that he's going to deliver that championship soon. And it's like, yikes, you, you are not my friend. You are you're leaving <laughs> much sooner than you think, actually. Um, yeah, I, I just – I. It's so bizarre. It's it, it, And the fact that they were so involved in the Rockets, so involved in Houston, and yet they end up brokering this deal between this Chinese company to a Philadelphia sports team, um, very bizarre to me. Very, very bizarre. And I have to imagine Dara Mori is the common denominator in that relationship. Yeah, because we talked about it off pod too, like – all of like the surface level stuff with like the the AI and the NFTs and all the digital stuff is very Daryl, and then all the background stuff we've been able to find is very like Harris Blitzer Entertainment type stuff. Yeah, that's that's a big thing too. Is there's there's different angles here, and like <laughs> all the connections are, are very hard to suss out because like we're not private investigators. We're not, you know, I'm, I'm not quite at the stage yet where I'm doing like uh freedom of information requests right. for some of these might get to that stage. Who knows? But we're still um, kind of a rung below Sixers, Adam solving the, uh, the email password. <laughs> right. It's just, it's, it's all just strange. And I, I, to me, the, the, the clear thing here is that, that red Phoenix is, is clearly has some relationship with Daryl in, in some kind of capacity. And they seem to have some actually legitimate connections to, to Chinese sports and Chinese culture. They, um, they had the Chinese Olympic boxing team did like a training thing in Houston and they like met up with them. One of their like executives was a previous boxer. I think that's where the connection lies there. So they do have some like legitimate connections. If color star is real, who knows? It's not inconceivable, of course, that they could have had, like they could just know someone in China or know a group of people that they could connect with Daryl Morey. I don't know. But to me, there's a link between Red Phoenix Entertainment and Daryl Morey. And that's and, and that's who brokers this deal with Color Star Tech. And I I, I think that those those two entities, Daryl Morey and Red Phoenix Entertainment, are are in some kind of capacity together. Which I'm curious now, I'm going to look this up as we record, but you were talking about how one of these guys from Color Star was like um, Latter-day Saints or something like that? That's Jerome Heaps was okay. very involved with Latter-day Saints, which I don't want to get myself in trouble here. But um, the Latter-day Saints is a very uh, scrutinized, should we say, uh, church. It is very pervasive and popular in Utah, right? It is. And that there are some issues that people mm -hmm. have brought about against the Latter-day Saints and 
I don't want to speak illy here, and I also don't want to be sued, <laughs> but there are there are very genuine criticisms of latter of the Latter Day Saints, and Drum Heaps appears to be a Latter Day Saint. Uh, he has like a um, some kind of involvement with like sto- like a, a local chapter of his. I don't quite know his entire role there, but uh, yes, yeah, there is a connection to the Latter Day Saints and all of this. Which I just looked up when the Sixers um, crypto.com jersey partnership went through, and that was in September of this year. So September 22nd, 2021 is when the crypto.com partnership gets announced as the official jersey patch partner and all of that, and it's kind of elevated to being like their score update stuff on social media and everything. But when you brought up the, the Latter-day Saints moment, I was very, like okay, who in the Sixers front office like, is part of this, potentially? And of course, I just type in Google Sixers Latter-day Saints, and don't you know it, in 2016, the first thing to pop up is uh, <laughs> former Sixers CEO Scott O'Neill. All, all roads run through Scott O'Neill, of course. And um, obviously, Scott stepped down, I believe, July 31st, but who knows how long these negotiations and I, things I feel like on. that has probably been in the works in, for in, some in time. So who knows if Scott was involved in those talks when he was still the CEO, but another like odd connection that you can put on the, the vision board that we've created here. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, this, it's like that uh, Stefan bit from SNL. Like this has everything. Chinese yes. billionaires, Mormons, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that documentaries. weird NFT thing that your nephew talks about at Thanksgiving. <laughs> documentaries about a guy who runs casinos and a basketball team. Right. It's, That's also an interesting aspect of this is like Tillman's involvement with like the casino scene. Right. Um, he is Golden Nugget. I believe, I believe so. Is his his uh his brand? Yeah. It, obviously, like there's there's an angle too about like casino guys and american billionaire versus chinese billionaire the the potential uh i don't know the unscrupulous behavior that could lead you to be involved in something like that i wanted to tie this in and i think it's interesting and i'm gonna do a little more reading about this what i found really interesting and and almost funny because it just happened to pop up on my timeline as i was researching a lot of this stuff is in european soccer uh, specifically England, there's a similar type of issue where there's these Chinese betting companies that exist only on paper that do not have any corporate structure. And what's interesting is that betting is illegal in China. You, you can't access these sites, but that these sponsorships, which pay lots of money to these teams, exist as essentially branding and commercialization for Chinese people watching so that they know like these companies and there's, there's no regulations on a lot of these things. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism because apparently there's a lot of money laundering and uh, illegal money being moved through these spaces and the teams are not properly vetting the sources. There's these companies that, as recent as 2019 were sponsors on shirts uh, for these teams, pretty high level teams too, that don't exist anymore. 
that you you can't even find information about. And I can't help but feel that's similar to this situation at least. A little bit. Uh, And I just thought it was very funny that I just, uh, a journalist that I follow retweeted it. Uh, It was a story on The Athletic that I just haven't had the chance to really pour through yet. But I couldn't help but feel that it's at least similar in, in vain to this situation where no one can tell you really what these things do or their purpose. Um, but the team and whatever, whoever it is, are just happy to see the money come through. And perhaps Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is the Sixers are probably getting some money out of this and that's it. They don't, they don't think about the rest. They're just getting some kind of payment out of this and that's whatever. Um, but even then, I don't know that this company, they did get a, we found out color tech did get a $26 million private, uh, boost in this mm-hmm. past spring uh to be used to reinvest in augmented reality technology so haven't figured out where that money came from exactly uh and then it promptly uh they were down 21 million uh by like late summer so they spent it wisely i think is the, <laughs> is the key there listen if someone wants to just give me 26 million dollars i'm a, i'm game and i have ideas we'd That's be living baby uh, which the homie at Trill Bro Dude on the Twitter machine, which uh, might be making an appearance uh, on his podcast in the near future to talk all about this. Uh, he tweeted uh, a couple days ago. He said, my brain was poisoned by left-wing conspiracy podcasts for so long that this Sixers money laundering scheme partnership barely even registers in my brain is weird. Every major company does this. They're just not stupid enough to advertise it. Yeah, that's that's the big thing, too, is... um. Maybe we're 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 throwing our hands up about this, and this is just casual uh, tax write off. I, you know, what I found really interesting too is how often these like businesses change names. Uh, we were confused by Homestoner and his Homes for You partnership. That mm-hmm. is what has turned into that Echo Domica that I was talking about earlier. Like that has evolved into that now. Okay. Um, and there's all these like name changes with these companies, and I don't know what the exact purpose of that is. I can imagine it's probably to help obfuscate anyone searching too deeply into them. Uh, when I was trying to search movie planet, you, you'll, it, it's very hard because it doesn't exist, at least on the internet, it has no presence whatsoever. Uh, and then you try and you know, put in more keywords. Well, the only other things listed on it are movie planet, a Hollywood based LLC. Um, if you type in movie planet, Hollywood, you're going to get planet Hollywood. Uh, which is a legitimate, I think, business. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I can't help but wonder that maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> maybe it was purposely Very much named the... that way so that if you try and do like some just better searching, that it just just absolutely crams your your search engine with Planet Hollywood stuff. It's like the Disney. It's like Disney naming f- the movie Frozen Frozen to hide any conspiracies about Walt Disney's head being chopped off in Frozen. Which, listen, I don't want to say that Walt Disney's involved, but I'm prepared for anything at this point. Hey, I mean, Mickey Mouse championships in the NBA, baby. Hey, Disney. (laughs) We all know the traditional big four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens 
as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I'm I'm just like perplexed about you bringing up that soccer team still and like that, that was can, bizarre. That has a lot of legs in my opinion. And like all of this stuff we brought up, like we've said, we're either going batshit crazy about all of this, but I feel like there are way too many connections with everything we've found for there not to be like something that we've uncovered. I think the uh, the like the trying to to purchase that uh that's that, a big that team, like like hole the, in the dam like i was like this is from um this actually this is weird uh so i just wanted to search to see if there was like something with this wagmi united you want to know when this article was written december 20th 2021 the same day that the the sponsorship of Star tech um was was announced um this is on the athletic, so I, I can't read it right now. Uh, I have to actually like log in to, to read it. But Bradford City, uh, WAGMI United, and the parentheses Crypto Bros uh, is an article. I just uh, that seems like that, a massive hole in the dam of all of this, though. So that that just recently happened, and like this story breaks December twentieth, and we get the news about this Color Star Tech thing is a little bit bizarre. Um, yeah. So this is a statement from the Bradford City Chairman, uh, Stefan Rupp, um, released uh, the below following recent publication of a, a statement uh, about WAGMI United LLC, who last week submitted an offer to purchase the club. Uh, it is with anger and, I, and regret I am further compelled to speak on a firmly closed matter, yet I feel I must correct the glaring inaccuracies it contained. Uh, the statement published carried a number of assertions which could generously be described as being wide of the mark and included claims which sought to undermine my truthful message to our supporters, employees, and partners when rejecting their bid on December 17th. It is right and correct to be known that I have acted properly throughout my short dealings with WAGMI United LLC and rejected their proposal to deal to protect the proud history of Bradford City. Uh, sadly, the actions of... <laughs> WAGMI United LLC have detrimentally brought both my integrity and the club's reputation into question. So for this reason, I've instructed my lawyers to explore all possible legal redress forthwith. So, uh, uh oh, <laughs> that's you know, that's that's pretty heavy-handed. Um, man, so they they don't make much mention exactly of daryl morey uh being involved with this um man that just it's that just the fact that daryl's involved with this is, is weird what his level of involvement we can't who see, knows that remains to be seen he's he's not posing for the pictures that are being posted on the the articles uh but preston johnson I don't know. I just and I've never seen that guy on ESPN before. Most, I feel like I've heard the name. I've before. heard his name, but then I looked him up and like 
He looks nothing like I was expecting. Most members of the group have no formal soccer background, but they feel the traditional ownership model is broken and plan to employ a novel approach that relies heavily on NFTs as a revenue stream. They will use that money to invest in analytics, they say, and outspend opponents to quickly climb the EFL ladder. The EFL is like the structure below the, the Premier League in, in England because they have multiple tiers of competition, right? So you work your way up through the divisions to eventually uh, reach the Premier League, which is the top division you can reach. Um, I just, I think it's... There's something there bizarre. with that. Because it's the same exact mod. Like, look at what the the uh, the Sixers are doing with Crypto.com and all the commercials they have. Like, oh, buy this Spectrum Edition NFT, blah, blah, blah. It's the same exact model that they're just employing with the Sixers. And I feel like it was easier to get that done once the Crypto.com partnership went through and Daryl being on the inside of the Sixers. Which also goes to, man. like, make you question, like, how much involvement does Daryl have with all of, like, the outside of basketball information? I, you know, maybe I thought that the Sixers were being smart uh, by hiring Daryl Morey because I had a lot of respect for him as... seemed like a smart guy to me. Always came, came across as, like, well thought. Thought he had a very, like, good analytics approach to basketball. I was excited when he came to the Sixers. Like this is like a good hire. Like this, this make. And now I'm wondering if it was for some ulterior motive, actually, uh, because we know that the Sixers have not made smart decisions in the past with front office hirings. So it seemed like a real turn in their decision making. Because Daryl stepped actually, down from Houston, right? Yes, uh, there was because there was a lot of friction between him and Tillman. Mm-hmm. Um, there. A lot of like the the moves, the the trade. Now, of course, it's always going to be a question of obviously once one party is going to deny that they made those on their own choice and say, oh, "Well, like the Russell Westbrook trade, like Daryl Morey's never going to say I wanted to do that. He's always going to say that I was pressured into doing that. Mm-hmm. I had to make a win number, whatever." Um, there was friction between the two, obviously, and. Uh, that's part of the reason, obviously, James Harden isn't a Sixer today. I, I, I firmly believe because of Daryl's history with Houston and that there was no way that Tillman was was going to then present James Harden to the Sixers and to Daryl Morey. There was just no no chance of that. There's no deal I think we could have made that would have made James Harden a Sixer, which sucks, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I think should be investigated by the league. And I really mean that. I think that's I think that's really stupid. I think it's really petty. And I feel like it undermines the competition. In, in fact, I really do. I think if you're saying that uh, an owner can just have a petty disagreement or unprofessional disagreement with, with someone and refuses to take what could conceivably be a better offer for your team um, and send, sends them to somewhere else for a lower offer, I don't know. That feels intentionally integrity compromising <laughs> to me. But uh, And it's also that's, weird that's that those three with – Tillman, Daryl, and James Harden are all, their names are in this circle of weird companies. Well, they, let me tell you, the, I only got to see a minute of the Tillman doc, but it was, God, it is like, just like, I'm not a, a psychiatrist or, or anything, but it's like classic, like if, if a, a sociopath just wanted to make a clip of themselves and it's like, He's a trailblazer. 
He uh. he's direct. He this is and Daryl Morey, bootlicker extraordinaire in this one. <laughs> talking about how Tillman built it from the ground up. It's like Daryl, you don't come on. You don't have to. We don't have to give these people credit. Right. You don't have to. Relax. At the time, he was, I think Daryl was under duress in, in that moment. I have to believe. But, yeah, there's there's a lot to this story. Um, I think we are making headway. I do, I do think Red Phoenix and Daryl Morey has some type of connection. And, yes, this WAGMI United LLC consortium of, of other popular influencers and, and people with, with financial backing and crypto backing um, – it's a similar type of model to what we're seeing with the Sixers and, you know, Daryl's involved in that. I just have to think that that's, that's probably the route that this is. The home stoner stuff, the Chow Shima stuff is funny and I love it. And I love learning more and more <laughs> as I go. Um, I don't know that that's firmly connected, but what's interesting is that is one of the only other connections to color star mm-hmm. that you can find is one of the only other other branches that this goes it's like here's color star and then here's red phoenix and here's the home stoner brand like it's different branches from this like centralized weird ass company right so the home stoner stuff maybe doesn't relate to the sixers very much he just seems like an interesting interesting character and i legitimately would love to talk to home stoner yes um i'm actually i think i'm gonna try and reach out and and just see if I can get an email. Get it. Get some correspondence with Holmes because he is like he just seems interesting, and I would love to just get ten minutes with the guy. But we'll see. I'm trying to see now because the Bryce Hall thing is interesting because he was involved in that like celebrity boxing thing over the summer when people were trying to like capitalize on that. And it was like the YouTube versus TikToker type situation with that Austin McBroom guy who is like fallen from the graces. Like he was like one of those family YouTubers and then all this shit comes out like he's cheating on his wife and his life has gone to shambles. Um, I'm wondering who the because none of the fighters from this thing got paid. I'm sorry. I just have to interrupt because I read another line in this awful Washington Post article about the WAGMI and just it makes me sick to my stomach. I feel like I'm going to throw up because this is everything I hate about this NFT culture, this crypto culture. It's all stupid nonsense. Dumb. I hate it so much. And I hate that the Sixers players are so into it. It bothers the hell out of me. The United Group won't offer ownership shares either. But, but by selling NFTs, they would, in effect, offer a piece of a sports team, they say, giving fans a sense of ownership that doesn't exist in today's sports world. Please, garrot me with the most dull piece of rope that you have. That is the worst sentence that I think has ever been scripted, maybe on the planet. Uh, that is that is such nonsense. I, I hate this NFT culture. I hate that the sports world is diving headfirst into it. And what's interesting about NFTs and, and cryptocurrency and all this is that it's it's massively unregulated right now, right? And that's why it's like so hot because you can move money and you can make these these deals that you probably won't be able to make in the future, right? Here's the other thing too. Art itself, physical art, real art has always been, and this is not a secret, this is not a conspiracy theory, 
has pretty much always been a means of money laundering. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always illegal. When we think of money laundering, we automatically assume like right. narcos, you know, drug money, stuff like that. That certainly exists. But you can claim art as any this mug, this wonderful cat dad mug that my cat got me for Christmas, I could say is a valuable priceless piece of art worth $18 million. And someone could buy it for me. And it's art because you place the value in that. And now I have $18 million legitimately, right? And you could do that with all types of things. And art has always been a sketchy way of funneling money to different places, rich people exchanging money in, in people buying $90 million pieces of art. You've got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Just think critically for a second. It's the same with NFTs. It's the same with all this crap and it's garbage. And I, I just, I, I hate it. I hate the mm-hmm. NFT crypto experience so, so much. It bugs me so much that uh, so many of the Sixers players are getting involved with it. And there's all these bootlickers constantly talking about, well, they're actually making money off this. No, they're not. No. Explain to me clearly how they're making money off this. Because they aren't. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're not. They're, they have they're money not. to blow. And that's why they're throwing it there. It's like, oh, hey, if something income, happens. And they don't care. Like a lot of other no. people who collect art. It's just like, well, whatever. I'll just buy it because I want it. And it appreciates in value. And you're buying a receipt. We ascribe the value to things. Yeah. Right? Like you can wake up and decide that this thing is worth money. You only know that that piece of art is worth money because someone said that it was. I don't look at these valuable pieces. I look at any piece of art. I'm like, wow, that's really beautiful and impressive because I'm not an artistic person. But I appreciate looking at people who create good art. And I say to myself, wow, that's really good. I, I'm sure that's worth a lot of money because you spend a lot of time making it. That's that's it. I, you know, like you could show me famous paintings and be like, wow, that's beautiful, stunning. I don't know. You, is that worth $70 million? I don't think so. <laughs> not to me. Just like, and, it, and it's all the same shit with these NFTs too. It's from the chest up fucking cartoon animals. It's exhausting. It is the dumbest things ever. Some of them look like they were made in the Nintendo DS chat rooms. Well, so I saw, if you really want to believe that we're living in a hellscape, <laughs> there are uh, there are NFT horses. There are, there are yep. crypto horses, virtual horse racing. And there are, this is a real sentence. NFT horse breeding. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stress this. What the fuck happened? <laughs> that NFT horse breeding is a real sentence. <laughs> That's not just like... Mad libs. Not even mad libs, because you would never make that up. And that that's not like a computer error. Like if my computer said that sense to me, I would restart my computer because I would think it just messed up. NFT horse breeding. What does that mean? You are paying for virtual horses to breed, to race them virtually, as an NFT. Why did we like step back for one second? And can we please discuss just the hellscape that we live in now? We're literally talking about fucking, like, Pokemon, like, going to the daycare and picking up an egg. I thought Pokemon was dumb. I, you know, I thought breeding and and trying to get shinies in Pokemon and trying to get all the, what, the the different uh, abilities that they have and the different max IVs and whatever, (laughs) all that crap was superfluous. I thought that was like, wow. 
And people and people would buy those things, right? Like people would make businesses like, hey, I'm selling this whatever for a hundred bucks. And I was like, damn, whatever. If people want to pay that, I guess. And you could, I mean, you have it and you can battle people with it and you can put it, you can look at it. <laughs> at least it's better than a virtual horse that you had had virtual sex with another horse. <laughs> I, like, I, it's just, where, <laughs> sometimes I feel. And there's dollar sign Barbaro. He's dead. <laughs> I, tr- I truly feel like I, I woke up into this reality because all this stuff is just like, it's so beyond my comprehension. Not like I can't understand it more. Like I can't understand that people mm-hmm. are into this. I just, I just don't get it. It I makes zero sense. And NFT horse breeding. Someone tell me what that means. Exactly. <laughs> I need to know exactly. I need a 20 minute YouTube video that did, I did not search for myself. It just pops up on my recommended about NFT horse breeding and why we should have that. We need to start having more like councils deciding we need culture councils. We need an we intervention need for, we need, we need a group of people to sit down and judge. Do we really, do we really need this? Do we like really the, need NFT horse breeding? I don't think we do. Like I don't council of Rick's and Rick and Morty. Raising. We don't need any of it. We can we can scrap a lot of this because we get don't it out. need it. Just get the whole council of Ricks from Rick and Morty. I'm looking whole... directly into the camera. If you're into virtual NFT horse racing and NFT horse breeding, I'm being so very honest when I say this. Please seek help. Please turn the laptop off. Go outside. Connect with real people. I promise it's it's not scary. Go back to school. Get a job, do do something. Go sit at a cafe for an hour and read a newspaper. Like, please connect with the real world, and do not spend your money on NFT horse breeding. Please, I've said that phrase so much that I'm forgetting that like it's even a real phrase. Please don't do it. Please, it is. I'm not gonna go Nancy Reagan and say just say no, but like, <laughs> now that's a I, rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> certainly a deep hole as we're led to understand but um i listen i i'm looking forward to the day that there's an nft of nancy reagan uh throw goating it up on the mgm back lot that i could get into let's make nfts funny right now they're these dumb lions and monkeys stupid shit that like an eight-year-old would want on a folder for school. Like, oh, this is my history one, and this is my math one. Looks like bazooka bubblegum mascots. Stupid. It's like generic mascots. Like when you like create a new team in like mm-hmm. NBA 2K or like NHL or whatever, you can like just create a new franchise. Like these, that's the crap that these people are spending $6 million on. It's stupid. Um, make NFTs funny. Why don't we make them funny at least? At right? least make them like, okay, that's funny. Make Nancy Reagan getting dunked on by Shaquille O'Neal. That's funny. Make that into an NFT. At least if you're spending $18 million on it, it's funny. Valid. Christ alive. It's a conversation piece. It's a conversation piece. Tell me what Nancy Reagan giving a blowjob makes you feel. Because I have it on my coffee table as an NFT hologram. It means a lot to me. I paid $70 million for it. I'll never pay it off, but... No one can take it's it away there. from me because it's it's in the blockchain, which I also learned is not secure. 
No, um, not at all. MIT said there's no way now that people could, uh, except for like a massive technical error, which <laughs> let's be honest, there's never been a technical error ever. <laughs> not like Facebook and, and Instagram almost disappeared a couple months ago. There's, there's ne- <laughs> Listen, Kyle, in the history of the internet and computers, there's never, ever been a technical error. There's never been something that erases data or maybe a, a bubble that pops. I just never been. Or a dude in a V for Vendetta mask shows up. Where's Anonymous on this? <laughs> Where are they on this? Good grief. This fucking Man. team. I, I, I it's The Sixers have given me a lot of apathy over the last uh, year and a half, especially especially at the beginning of the COVID pandemic with with the way that Josh Harris treated uh, the workers of the Wells Fargo Center and that Embiid had to step in. And um, I've never like really like forgiven. I, not that no. he cares, but like it's, it's always like that's always bothered me a lot uh, with all of this. Um, and just like just the like balls on these people, you know, like it's just what are we doing here? What like how how did we get to this point? And then that happens, and it's like I can't even look. I can't. I can't even look at the players now and be like, "Oh man, at least I still love the players." Like Tobias Harris, who I you know what? Like, listen, I don't like to be the guy that like hates on people because of their contract, right? Because it's not. It's listen, the player, they get what they get, right? Mm-hmm. I always thought Tobias was like, at least he's a good guy, right? That was like the the baseline, at least. Right. Like, I, well, I don't have to hate Tobias as a person, at least. He's going to get tons of money, and he's going to give a lot of it away to kids for libraries. That's cool. You know what? At least we seem to have given $180 million to the guy that has sense, is well-read, cares. Like, cool, fine, whatever. More people like Tobias needed $180 million, I guess. And now he's in this NFT crap. And I'm like, we made a massive mistake. It, Notice you know, how all of all of this bullshit NFT stuff has happened since the greatest Sixers bully of all time, Mike Scott, left the team. I have to imagine Mike Scott wants to smack all I, of them I, in the I, face. I would actually love to get on a call with Mike Scott and ask him, Mike Scott, can you explain to me what an NFT is? I think you'd have a very similar to reaction to me the first time I heard an NFT. I was like, what the fuck is that? I would love for Tobias Harris to to see to be the fly in the wall with Tobias Harris explaining an NFT to Mike Scott. I would actually love to see that. I would pay millions of crypto money to see that happen. <laughs> of crypto money because it's totally real. <laughs> That's why we encourage so many of you to buy it because it's totally real. <laughs> That's why influencers have these mug coins buy my cat dad mug coin that i have twenty thousand of and i'm gonna sell it as soon as i i publish this video so i make a bunch of money and you don't <laughs> ain't that america baby you i would it. i would pay millions of dollars to watch mike scott slap each and every one of the sixers players who has gotten we into the an, nft stuff an nft enforcer we need yeah. someone that Goes into these locker rooms. You know how they did this for for the the COVID vaccine, where they had like uh, doctors and experts come and and talk with mm-hmm. the players and the athletes and tell them, you know, hey, here's the science behind this. Whatever, you know, make your informed decision now. 
We need it. We need an NFT enforcer. We need a guy with a lead pipe to walk into these locker rooms and say, listen, if any of you spends another $2.3 million on a stupid lion blowing a bubble. And up. if you don't understand what million dollars is, uh, like 2.76K Ethereum. Yeah, that's approximately uh, one Bitcoin. Um, if you don't stop, I'm going to Nancy Kerrigan you. <laughs> that's what we need. Nancy Kerrigan being Mike Scott. Mike Scott probably laughs at them and is like, you see all these fucking tattoos on my arms? These are real. I have these. NFTs. They're non-fungible. How are you going to get them? This is my this is my blockchain right here. You can't take this from me. It is unique ownership. Stupid. It's the fucking dumbest, idiots. Absolute dumbest thing. I don't, I'm not even going to be one of those people that's like, I don't mean to offend anyone. No, I mean all offense. If mm-hmm. you are into NFT crypto garbage... If you're one of these people, never interact with me. You're never speak to me. Block me, please. Because I, I, I'm, I'm up to here with the NFT nonsense. I can't I'm hear so another. glad that nobody from our company is into this shit. I have not done the mute words on Twitter thing, really, because I don't mind being like exposed to things that maybe even like piss me off a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, usually I find that in the replies, other people are so pissed off. I'm like, cool. Not alone in this. And I get to, I get to see the replies in the discourse. Right. I have, I have seriously considered muting nft and crypto because i just can't take it anymore i I can't take the 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 weird posturing from these crypto bros and trying to convince themselves that it isn't like the top oh one percent of people that have all the bitcoin and that it is it is backed by this other coin that isn't even real and it's all just going to crumble and i i feel pity for these people that are getting conned it is a con that money laundering suck that these people are getting sucked into and i feel for you i am stunned that the sixers have not like full-fledged gone like franklin coin i have to imagine that's in the works i have to imagine i mean with the dog coin trend (laughs) how deep does this hellscape go where it's like the you know like how the phillies do where it's like the first ten thousand guests get whatever bobblehead (sighs) That it's it's good, and that's what's next. That's it has to be. If you're thinking like a sociopath, which these people are, how can we engage more? How do we? How do we? Well, that was like get, Dylan bought a jersey on MLB. How shop. do you get? How do you get Grandpa into NFTs? You give it away at the Sixers game. Dylan bought a jersey on MLB Shop, and in his email got a thing that said, "Hey, thanks for buying a jersey." Blah blah blah. Here's your unique NFT for purchasing it. And it's like a fucking pink baseball jersey. It's like, what are we doing? We're just giving these away now. They're, that just proves they're not worth shit. Well, no, Kyle. You see, well, so, uh, <laughs> so how do I explain the blockchain to you? See, it's stupid. Dumb. It's so dumb. We will have and more I don't colors. want to hear another word about how the blockchain technology is actually potentially very useful. It's just being used in a weird... No. No. Done with this shit. Terrible. Sometimes I think we we go a little too fast with the technological innovation. Mm-hmm. Let's take like a break. Slow it down. A, a year. Bit. I want a year. No right. innovation whatsoever on technology. See, this phone, we don't need a new one. No. We're good. 
we've we can't, we've we've done good for ourselves. We have yeah. a good situation here. We Slow don't it down. We don't need to go any further. We'll probably have more Color Star Technology Chronicles next week, but I uh, wanted to get into the unfortunate news: uh, John Madden passing away. Absolute legend, and I can't honestly think. I was thinking about this last night when I saw the news, Matt. There's like four iterations of John Madden for different like eras of of humans and generations of humans. Where you remember John Madden, the the vague career that he had as a Philadelphia Eagles practice squad player to then becoming a head coach to then getting in the broadcast booth to then a lot of people knowing John Madden strictly as the video game guy. Yeah, I think it's like uh it's like a very generational difference in how you remember him. It's like uh I don't know, it's like being like an Atari person or an N64 person or an Xbox 360, you know like yeah, he's for us was probably like really a broadcaster when we were young, although he was like in, I would say the later stages of his career for, for most of my memory. But I mean, he's like certainly one of the most iconic voices of sports in general. Uh, certainly one of the most iconic names in sports. I mean, yeah, he's, he's obviously the, the Madden game franchise will like outlive well beyond this. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big loss too. I, I just, just especially, sad because he had been in the news recently because his his documentary came out on christmas day right like yeah um and that looked really fascinating i I think they did an early preview i saw like i think like a five minute clip um this was maybe like a month or two ago and Mm -hmm. i was like entrenched i was like i can't actually wait to sit down and watch this so um it it is a big loss because like he's obviously like the, the phrase larger than life gets thrown around a lot and a lot of times perhaps unfairly, but I, I really do think it's safe to say that John Madden is like a, just a larger than life person. And I think deserves a lot of credit for where the NFL is now. I think, you know, like I think a lot of people really enjoyed and especially a lot of families enjoyed John Madden because he was a boisterous character that also wasn't afraid. He was certainly, I remember growing up the jokes about him always with that when you put him on the, uh, the teleprompter with with uh drawing the x's and o's that he would go a little crazy but um it was part of like what made john madden a unique person uh he clearly had a very like large passion about football about the nfl and was a great promoter for it i think the nfl owes him a huge debt honestly because um i really think he helped and, and obviously you have the the video game franchise which certainly helps but i really think the nfl owes John Madden a, a huge huge debt uh to their growth because I really I, I really do believe that he's he's a big big influence on a lot of people um you know especially of, of our age bracket watching him as a broadcaster yeah I mean you think about just his career accomplishments from Super Bowl champion as a head coach to then you know Hall of Famer Hall of Fame broadcaster then he gets the the video game franchise that starts in the late 90s and just continues to build and like it's almost like getting the cover of sports illustrated but just very niche for football where it's like if you got the cover of of madden and although the madden curse was there for for the longest time if you were on the cover of madden it was like wow like you you're a rock star player in the nfl that meant more than the nfl meant mvp to me as a kid yeah the nfl mvp was really being on the Madden cover the next mm-hmm. year. That's that was like as a, a kid, that was like, okay, that's how you know you're the best player in football. 
if you're uh, if you're on the Madden cover next year. That was that was it. That was how you were crowned. <laughs> like I I could not tell you a single and actual NFL MVP up until like maybe like seven or eight years ago when I became like you know like obviously more aware of those things and like as a, a, an older person as like a young adult and then an adult. As a kid, I had no concept of NFL MVP. Only Madden cover people. You know, yeah, like I mean, that was it. The the guys who grace the cover of the Madden cover are like all time legends, maybe except one, who the random year of Peyton Hillis being on the cover, yeah. which I think is like one of the funniest like football NFL jokes of all time, is like, oh yeah, Peyton Hillis had uh, a flash in the pan year that elevated him to being on the Madden cover. I think it's one of the funniest like football Madden video game jokes that people still bring up and it was like almost a decade ago that he was gracing the Madden cover. Yeah. I just it was what 2011 was the Peyton Hill. I think it was year? either Madden 2011 or 2012. Um Let's see. Madden covers all time. He did have 2011. an insane sane year though didn't he yeah it was madden 12 but it came out in 2011 right <laughs> hillis had a difficult 2011 2012 season led him to be associated with the madden curse <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that that was like the phrase then and now we just call it regression you know yeah. like it's it's funny that like we were on to something collectively with this idea of the Madden curse, which a lot of times it was like an injury. It was like very frequently that, and it turns out the football is just a very violent sport. It's actually just common for guys to get injured. Who knew? Uh, um, but yeah, now we just call it regression. We don't, we don't have to call this. So this crazy mystical thing. It's like, yeah, actually they just had a career year and are like not going to touch those again. Yeah. Like they're just not going to hit that number. Sorry. So I'm looking at the covers Sean now. Alexander's not going to have 29 touchdowns again next year. I don't know how to tell you that. <laughs> I have all the covers here. I'll pull it up. Because um, John Madden was on the cover of the games until 2000. And 2001 was the first year that uh, players who's, started. Who's the, first, who's the first player on the cover? It That's was an interesting piece of trivia. Titans legend running back Eddie George. Wow. Which I always have like a Mandela effect with that. Because I always think the first Madden or that Eddie George's Madden year was 2002 for some reason, but that right. was Dante Culpepper when he was with the Vikings. That, uh, three that was, was pre boat incident. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 2003 was Marshall Falk. Oh, four, I think is obviously the most iconic Madden cover of all time with Michael Vick. Oh, uh, five was Ray Lewis. Oh, six was Donovan McNabb. 07, Sean Alexander. 08, Vince Young, which is very funny that three quarterbacks ended up playing for the Eagles that were on Madden covers. Um, 09 was Brett Favre, and they had the interchangeable covers because that's when he came out of retirement and went to the Jets. Uh, Madden 10 was the first time that two players were on the front, which was Paul Amalu and Larry Fitzgerald. Drew Brees, Peyton Hillis. Uh, then you had the double cover for Madden 13 was Calvin Johnson, and then it was the 25th anniversary, so they put Barry Sanders then Richard Sherman, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, uh, Antonio Brown, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and then the MVP edition for 2022 was Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes.
top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already of a know. I think that's how it always goes. Like, like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. The Sean Alexander one is like the one I closely associate with, just because that's that's the one we had like growing up. Mm -hmm. and I just remember playing the life out of that one. Like I, just... I played O one on like Game Boy Advance, and then <laughs> I skipped a couple years. Would play O four at my grandma's house because Uncle Dan had the GameCube, so I was playing Madden O four like a fiend. And then I got my GameCube started playing. I got I've had I've owned Madden 05 through I think 13. And I gotta say Madden 08's franchise mode is still to this day the best franchise mode. And one, one of, of the best soundtracks. One of my favorite childhood memories, uh, at, at a very good friend of mine whose house used to go over and he always had like I didn't get a Xbox till like a little later. Um so he had like he always had like the latest whatever. We would start at like every time we had a sleepover or a little, just even like a brief hangout session that was just over, like after soccer or something. We would start a uh, like a new season and we would do a fantasy draft. We would each control a team and we would do a fantasy draft. And it was just, I would pay so much money. Talk about NFTs. <laughs> I would pay so much money to look at the how we drafted these teams because uh, we would just. It was like Peyton Manning, you know, number one pick. It was like, who got the first pick? It was like Peyton Manning, and then like just figure it all out. <laughs> it was like Peyton Manning and like whoever else. Right. Like our 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 lines had to be so bad because we were like eleven. Yeah. We had no concept of cares about the, the value of the offensive line and the defensive line and what that meant. We didn't know. Uh, we just went by overall rating. If you were if you were a nine and above, you were god to us. <laughs> and like I feel like Madden too, like with. Obviously, being on the cover and everything, and just the video game taking off, I think it was huge if you were on the Madden soundtrack if you were a musician. That's that's the same, I think, with a lot of the uh, the EA games, is that, that I truly, like, I've found some really fantastic artists and, and musicians that I love off of these soundtracks. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely, I, I think there are, there are bands and artists out there that uh, that have gotten their, their first outreach through these these sports games. Like, I think a lot of people heard Sam Spence for the first time because of, like, the Madden soundtracks. And, like, that music's unreal. One one of my, my current favorite bands ever 
uh, the war on drugs I first heard on FIFA. <laughs> like, I yeah. just, you know, like it's the just, boys are Kelser on uh, right NHL, NHL this soundtrack. year. Like it's it's just it's it's a great way of finding music. So uh, rest, rest in, in peace, peace, John Madden. To a legend. I, I hope that the NFL does not do a very distasteful Madden coin in the future. Um, yeah. I, I I hope I I really do worry that that's like the next level that we get to with a lot of this NFT garbage is that they start memorializing uh, people. I mean, they've already done it. They did it with Chadwick Boseman, right? Um, yep. At the the like, it's the so Oscars, tasteless. Yeah. It's so tacky. It's so offensive. It's so poor like it's i i really hope that that doesn't become the norm and that i mean i hope these nfts disappear but i really hope that we don't start like memorializing people with these things it just it's just it disgusts me like especially so like when you take it to that level like if you want to sink your money into it whatever but don't don't make someone's memory an nft that's so bizarre mm -hmm. it's that's so dystopian it's so bad uh, I finally got a chance to watch the Survivor finale, which uh, we didn't get to do a, a recap, but um, Erica wins. And I got to say, Xander, welcome to the Eric Club of Stupidity, pal, because what an absolute moron. Bad, uh, bad final travel. I got to say, here's the issue with Xander for me. The dude is 20. Yeah. At 20 years old, you are a completely different person. That's true. You just are. You are you are not mature yet, even though Xander certainly presents himself very well, and you do not have as good of social awareness as you think you do. You certainly have some hubris about you because you're young, you're in fantastic shape, you're you you have some some knowledge now too. Like you're not just a dumb high schooler anymore. Like you actually have. And Spencer seem uh, Spencer. <laughs> well, Spencer was also guilty of this. Uh, Chowski chiming in about the NFTs and exactly. Yes. Yeah. We we're not making money off the passing of these people. You're right. It, it is. It's gross. It's gross. Bad. Bad practice. Xander, I, I think it's tough. Like, there's a reason that young people typically don't win Survivor mm -hmm. because it is a game of social awareness and understanding. And they made a point to show that he did not understand. And apparently, there's much more to that truth bomb than we were led to believe. Apparently, it was a much longer, way more toxic and venomous exchange than what we saw that erica did not speak to deshaun for months uh apparently like it was like way worse than we saw apparently and it was like people were like deeply upset by what deshaun said i, I don't know what exact but like there was like more than just oh deshaun blew up my game it was deshaun said things that crossed lines uh with him and erica apparently i don't know if they've resolved that but so the fact that Xander thought that that was a good thing, I think is maybe what sinks him. I, I, what's strange to me, and I think this is an issue with Survivor. Now that we've seen Erica over the last few episodes and saw her win, okay, I, I get it. Up until four episodes ago, I mean, you can go back and check the tapes. I mean, even three episodes ago, I thought Erica had no chance because I was led to believe that she was a, frankly meaningless she and made one that, move i don't mean that in a derogatory way because she clearly they were there they saw her game they almost she almost swept everyone if danny is in the final council final three and it's deshaun danny and erica she probably does sweep because Do you like, think that vote was from danny did they show I that believe, 
I believe it was. I, I believe it was. And I have to he hyped up Erica in that jury. He was like, that's the game I wanted to, to play. Yeah. Which, again, they're there. They know more than we do. I'm willing to trust the jury. And this doesn't seem like a jury that was, like, toxic. Or, you know, mm-hmm. we have seen that in the past where people just don't vote for whatever reason. They seem to genuinely respect the games that everyone played and voted how they believe. And I think it's also a product of this season being condensed, too. We don't see everything. I just, I feel like, and maybe this is just the game that Erica played was very under the radar. But, I mean, even going back to the first time we really see her, it's when she gets put on exile. And she has the decision, the very Mm -hmm. obvious decision, let's be frank, because she gets immunity for breaking the hourglass. You know, fine. That was the Um, one move she made. And then at Tribal, it's her saying it just feels nice to be around like people whispering about you and like uh like to be a part of conversation. It's like and no one was speaking to her. And it's like that's the person that we were led to believe was Erica up until like a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I can remember being like a little bit confused that Shan was adamant about getting Erica out. It turns out Shan was right. <laughs> Shan, Shan was was right to say that. Um, I don't know if that's just a product of the game that she played. I think Survivor has to do a better job of, I mean, it is challenging, right? Because obviously people go by the edit now to see, oh, we think this person's going to win because, you know, you can't telegraph it, of course. But I feel like Erica, now that we've seen it, deserving winner, I think everything everything we, we heard said about her deserves it. For her to be a sweep, like an, a, a near sweep. A gentleman, a, a, a lady a, sweep. A, a, a lady sweep. <laughs> I just feel like I didn't see it coming. No. I, I said to Sarah going into the final final vote reading, I was like, I feel like Erica's going to win. It's like, But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be like, like a four, three, two, however the math were. Like, I feel like, you know, like everyone's going to probably get a vote or two here. But I feel like Erica, like just based off what everyone was saying, um, probably gonna win you know like i just it felt that way i was shocked xander did not get a single vote um but again they know more than we do they saw the whole thing they were there the whole time whatever got to trust i was also kind of like thrown off that it was an even number jury too right that's that's a little bit bizarre because if it was Um, closer it's like oh we have a split for the million dollar vote like jeff gets to vote (laughs) um i i thought that uh I thought Xander almost gets penalized because he's 20 mm-hmm. and he, I, I thought him and Deshaun handled a lot of their criticisms pretty gracefully that they said, listen, maybe that's just something I need to work on, you know, mm-hmm. like me, you know, and I'm willing to admit that. And I think that's, that's bigger than I thought it's now that like we've had more time to marinate on it too. It makes a lot of sense that Erica, uh, she was a communications manager. Um, this is a person that is, had to obviously like she said she's she runs board meetings like she mm-hmm. has had to be in very high pressure environments it's no surprise that she had a fantastic uh final tribal council because that's what she does yep. she knows how to package things and sell them and you know really sell ideas and and come across with like main points and make people understand clearly a certain subject so good for erica i you know, like obviously the the diversity of the season was fantastic. It's been a very long time since we had a female winner. I can remember her earlier in the season saying she would love to be the female winner, right? Um, and I'm happy for her. I just wish Survivor as a show would give us more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that that's not easy to do, that I'm asking not quite the impossible, but almost to it. Um, but I just, I felt like up until 
the last few episodes that Erica was not, she was not a central figure of the season. And I get that Ricard was still there. It's obviously challenging with someone like him. Uh, you still had like Shan at times. Danny was like, obviously a, a, a big focal point as well. Like I get that there's these other people, but it just, it, it felt up until the very end that Erica was not as, as dominant mm-hmm. and as, well like even her relationship with heather was like something that was just kind of dropped on us yeah it's uh, like, whereas oh apparently we're besties tight since like day one yeah we didn't know that until like very late into the season that these two were like borderline inseparable yeah know? and quite honestly like i've never really like gotten into like the whole the edit thing but like the way they built up deshaun it was like He's going to win. Like, he survives the the do or die. He comes back in arguably what I think was the best fire-making challenge in Survivor history. And then just completely, you know, from a jury perspective, they let him fall flat on his face and he gets one vote. Yeah, I I don't know. You know, I I just, I was was really struck by it. But um, I'm, listen. There's never, there's really rarely ever been a winner that I've been like, ah, don't say it. Or like, I, I think she, she absolutely deserves to mm-hmm. win. I, I don't like the people that try and, you know, discredit winners and stuff like that. I think that's just tacky. And ultimately, yes, we're entertained by it, but we don't get to see everything. We Especially don't... this season. Right. We, we don't get, we did not live on the beach. We did not engage in the group discussion and the game discussion like they do, obviously. And I ultimately trust, especially this season, everyone, there was no like sore losers on this season. Um, there was no one that was like, should have been me, whatever. And I, and they all had seemed to have a, a pretty big respect for the game of Survivor. And I, it was a yeah. very fun cast. Yeah, definitely. I like. I thought this was a fantastic group of people, and again, I th- I think it's no coincidence that we had such a fantastic group of people the year that they started this diversity initiative. And the the more representative you can get of what America actually is, even though it's ironic because America's Canadian, <laughs> uh, but the more representative you get of like what an everyday interaction would look like between people, because. Every day you're speaking to people of, of different color, of different ethnicity, of different background. That's what it should be on your TV too. Like, um, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we had such a fantastic season with good gameplay, with some iconic moments for absolute sure. I love that Liana was able to uh, like make, make fun a little of joke herself. of herself, like laugh at herself a little bit. That was good to see. Like that was cool. Um, I like that she seemed like very like humble about that moment and her, I, I thought the way she talked about it in uh, the after show, yeah. which wasn't really an after show, which I didn't uh, mind it. I think that was there. a product of the times. Totally. I, I'd have to imagine that they had no clue what this month was going to look like for getting groups of people into a, a, a stage somewhere. Um, I do kind of like the votes being read right then and there yeah um i would also like to see all of that with i mean now you know the power of hindsight but now with like a proper reunion like mm-hmm. give some people a few months to actually like settle and we didn't yeah. get to see the pre uh jury pre-jury people either which i was kind of appreciate at least getting to see them again yeah. maybe they get some because there, there were some interesting people that got 
uh, voted off before the, the jury. Totally. I, I would like to hear from again, you know, so. Most notably Sydney. Right. <laughs> uh, and then they showed the preview for season 42. And I don't know if it's just recency bias of how good like this cast was. The season 42 cast is already like rubbing me the wrong way. I, I try not to judge harshly. I, but, from uh, from the first glance, I was like, ah, I don't know how I feel about this cast right here's now. Here's the potential issue I see. Some of the nonsense that they threw into this season didn't really bother so much because the people were so good, mm -hmm. because they were so entertaining, and because they were good at Survivor gameplay. With these seasons, it's they film them back to back. You know, they they mention that in the uh, in the the after show that they got to get out because they got the next group coming in. They keep all the same gameplay elements. They don't have time to get feedback from the audience about, we did not like that. The do or die thing. Used once. Don't want to see it again. No, there's no point. I'm talking about Deshaun's thing. I, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, whatever, I was thinking the shot in the dark. Shot in the dark. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Whatever. It seemed like. Introduce it down the line, though. I think it helps in a way that the audience doesn't necessarily see. But that when you're playing the game, you have to constantly think, okay, I we have to be a little careful with the votes. Like, and no one is ever really out of it. No one is ever truly hundred percent certified going home. Like that's right. It's a good way to have your game set up, I would say. But some of these these things that we I wasn't too keen on, but you know what? Like Survivor has to adapt, cool with that. I think maybe this cast carries that a little bit. And a weaker cast, maybe those things are a little more ugly. You know, there's there's more. We saw a season in like 4K. Yeah. And we might see a season in like 720p. It's like, it's good, but I just had 4K. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, can we go back to what we just had? Like, it wasn't that right. long ago. Um, yeah, the do or die thing definitely scrap that, and I think the I don't know how the beware advantage is going to work with this new cast either. So yeah, I, that is obviously the beware advantage is I don't know how they keep those on in the future because everyone's going to know roughly like okay, well like it's probably better if I don't open that. Um, I'm not looking forward to the phrases again. I no. did not like upon reflection of the season. I didn't care for that at all. <laughs> Other than really the seared learning more English. Yeah. Um, that I could do without, <laughs> I could <laughs> do without seeing someone not able to vote until the merge. Like that's just not, that wasn't super interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I, I do think this cast carried some of the weaker elements of like the actual structure of the show this time around but i think for like a new cast for for you know no returners on this season it's certainly one of my favorites of like the last so many years like it's, yeah. it's outside of like i don't know like david and goliath is like the only one that pops immediately to my head in terms of like a completely new cast i'm like that was great too and there's but i think in terms of depth of characters like there's i don't know 11 12 of these survivors i wouldn't mind seeing again you know mm -hmm. like genuinely like i yeah especially anyone from the jury on, on. i would love yeah genuinely love to watch again and Just there's bring them back as people that i wouldn't mind watching again so bring jury jury on right. back as their own tribe and then have newcomers like they did before like second chance <laughs> that's i mean that's that's rare though that you you can say that about a season mm-hmm with no prior history with these people to say like, I'd love to watch them again. Truly. I would love to watch all these people again. 
yeah, it was fantastic. Shout out to Erica for the dub. Um, we're going to cover Survivor again once it comes back in March. Uh, but follow at Buffs and Snuffs on the Twitter machine in the meantime. And, of course, uh, you guys can check out everything we're doing on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow Matt at Matt Castarina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. You'll leave a five-star rating and review. Tell us, you know, how you're feeling about this uh, Sixers Color Star Tech Chronicles we're going on. Uh, and anything you may find, you know, potentially in this thing to help us out. Five stars only, because uh, we have standards. We know you do, too. And, of course, now on Spotify, you can leave five-star ratings on Spotify as well. So run up our Spotify ratings. Make them things five stars as well. You can also check out wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Uh, be sure to check out our sponsors as well. Main Auto LLC, Two Charms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And, of course, Tomahawk Shades Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP. You get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside, Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs, the vodka iced teas, all that good stuff at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 390. For Matt, I'm KB, and we will catch you guys in the new year. Be safe, celebrate responsibly, and uh, we'll see you guys in 2022. Peace.